All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Candid College. My name is Taylor. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm Sarah. Yeah, and uh, you know, we both go to school on different sides of the coast. I go to school in Arizona. Sarah goes to school in Georgia, basically yeah. Florida, but Georgia. And you know, we come here every week to talk about different different things and just kind of go take of a college student, what it's like being in college, how college kids maybe view some subjects, think about it. Um, and we're also kind of bi-coastal, so it's like very different takes and it's kind of crazy how different things may be out in the South versus out West, so yeah. Yeah, so um, how's your week been, Sarah? <laughs> Um, well, as you know, my allergies hit me like a truck on Saturday. Um, I sneezed once and it was all downhill. You can probably hear my voice. Um, Monday and Tuesday morning was real rough. Yesterday was a little bit better. Feeling better today. I got my vaccine today. Hey, Pfizer day. <laughs> um, but definitely have a lot more energy in me today. Yeah. What about you, Taylor? I've had a pretty good week. I'm actually, um, you know, I'm actually getting to uh, actually am fully vaccinated now. Um, it's been about a month since I got my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah. Very excited about it. Doing my part. Still wearing my mask, you know, but it feels liberate, liberated. Have a bit of like a, it, it feels freeing to know that COVID um, is, you know, the COVID vaccines are being distributed and people are, have an opportunity to get vaccinated and keep the community safe. Um, so that being said, um, I was able to go down to the University of Alabama to go visit my friend who goes here. So we're actually both in the South today. Yeah. We're not quite in the same time zone, but not we're close. <laughs> yeah. So I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited you got your vaccine. Yeah. Um, you got a sticker? I didn't get a sticker. Loser. I know. Arizona. Come on. Step it up. Step it up. Go Blazers, baby. Is your arm feeling okay? Yeah. I actually, I also got lifeguard certified over the weekend. And so I'm more sore from lifeguard certifying all my classes and stuff than my vaccine. So shout out to Tylenol. I cannot swim. So maybe you could teach me how to swim this summer. For sure. I mean, I say this every summer, but like for real, for real this time. For real, for real. For real, for real. I'm here for it. I can save you if you drown. Which I probably will start drowning. You know, when I was um in high school, when I was going to like a little, I was in March event in high school. We both were. And yeah. I played saxophone. That's how we met. So we met. Um, I played saxophone in my freshman year, or going into my freshman year of college. Um, the saxophones and the mellophones who play very similar parts usually during the shows um they wanted to get together and have a joint like sectional hangout kind of deal and I went to it and I met like you know people and I was like oh this is great and it was like a pool like a pool sectional because um the section uh -huh. leader had a uh, he had a pool uh -huh. and you know I was like I can't swim right and they're like haha you're lying right and I was like no 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 literally I cannot no swim. like I cannot swim <laughs> And they literally pushed me oh, into God. the pool. And the section leader had to get in the pool and save me because I was drowning. So, well, you did tell them you could not swim. So, 
I know, right? So um, yeah, but you know, that's a nice little fun little intro to the episode. <laughs> How did Taylor almost Thank die? Or, like one snare out of like all the five thousand different things. You know, I died when I was being like born, right? No, I didn't. Well, I did, but I'm back. Okay. <laughs> so, He's back, baby. I'm here now, apparently. So, apparently, apparently. I mean, not apparently. I am. <laughs> um. So, if you guys do not know the listeners, I am actually. Um. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. So, I actually want to. We both want to touch on kind of like a sensitive topic this week um you know it shouldn't be sensitive in my opinion it's just common sense to like yeah no but um you know in light of recent events and happening in the world um first off i want to say um you know my heart is with the asian american and pacific islander community um with the events that happened recently in atlanta yeah where we're from well kind of where you're from it's where i'm from yeah um you know it's it's just really you know, the, this year, I think 2020 and now 2021, but 2020 was like a very rough year, yeah. um, especially for people of color. Um, I'm saying that as a person of color, as an African-American woman. Um, yeah. And, you know, with like in June and July with the Black Lives Matter protests and going through that and trying to teach people how to be anti-racist. Um, okay. it was, it's very, it's very taxing. And you know, you see all these stories happening all the time. You just never think it's going to happen to you or around you. So to have like a situation oh. where this was, this literally happened like 20, 30 minutes away from where I graduated high school. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the victims, uh, her son actually went to um, a high school in our county, a high school that we've been to before for like football. So, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience for me as well, obviously, because as I am a very white person, I obviously am speaking from a place of privilege where I'm not automatically assume something um, because of the color of my skin as I walk across the street or something like that. Um, and it's definitely been good to learn how to be good support system for a lot of my friends, because I am surrounded by people who have to go through that every day simply based on the color of their skin. So yeah yeah I mean I just in my opinion it's not hard to be anti-racist you would think you would think but for just some people they just simply can't yeah you know it's funny you know because um I when it when it comes to being anti-racist so you know it's not for me just be like oh I'm educated about black people even though i'm black you know um, mm-hmm. about black people you know it's like it's it's toward it's about all of the all of the minorities you know yeah and people tend to forget that you know they they, they you can't you can't just learn about one minority and not learn about the rest you know yeah. like um, i know a lot of i know i know like a lot of white individuals around me um were like reading all these books and like all these things trying to get educated over the summer mm-hmm. um which is, you know, which is really good and keep doing that, obviously, but yeah. um, they also fail to realize the struggles that other minorities go through at the same time. And, yeah. you know, I thought that maybe with Black Lives Matter, they'll also realize that the privilege and just get educated about just the privilege in general. But I'm seeing posts now today that are like, oh, if you like K-pop or if you like anime, you should care about what happened in Atlanta. Um, and 
that's not do do not say that <laughs> yeah do not say that that's like the same interview as me as somebody saying oh if you like um uh God. if you like rap because you know a lot of a lot of rappers um, are african-american mm-hmm. if you like rap or if you like beyonce or jay-z like you should think black lives matter like that's a microaggression yeah and i think that stereotypes stereotype you know i think people don't realize that i think the real kicker of racism is that for me it hurts me more to deal with microaggressions than to deal with blatant racism racism yeah it's just like calling me the n-word in my face and just calling me like what a hard r and all these things <laughs> tell me to go back to the motherland africa <laughs> i'm gonna be like less hurt by that than if my one of my best friends are saying these like tiny little things that are like low-key racist and it's harm and it's hurtful it makes me like really think about how different we are just based on the skin color mm-hmm. um, that's more harmful in my opinion so yeah yeah, that's definitely something that I've been working on because, like, my family, of course, I'm not going to, well, I'm kind of, like, my family's racist, like, I'm going <laughs> to, they low-key kind of racist, like, the extended family, the tight family, not as much. They're very much microaggression kind of people, um, so, of course, like, I grew up around that, um, and, like, not relating my experience, but kind of tying it in, like, as a queer woman, like, those microaggression, uh, microaggressions from my family, like some, like like you said, like sometimes that hurts worse than the straight up like, oh, you're going to hell kind of thing. Um, so it's been like unlearning all of the stuff that I just grew up around. And I think a lot of people don't get that. Like just because you grew up in it doesn't mean you can't do anything about it. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like what, you know, I'm curious because obviously like you're, you're very um you're very good about being educated on situations and things like that mm-hmm. at what point growing up did you kind of deviate from your parents or not your parents I'm not saying your parents your family's thinkings um, yeah like your own individual thinking um I've always kind of been uncomfortable with some things they've said like I think the things that stand out in my mind is when Obama was president and they said something about him being the antichrist um and that like Jesus was coming back soon. And then like when Stacey Abrams was running for governor, they made fun of her like gap in the tooth and front teeth, which is like something that happens to literally like anybody. And um, like when Hillary was running, um, they were like, oh, well, one, a woman can't be a president. Um, just a lot of uh my cousin uh once said the n-word with a with a hard r and he is uh very white um he likes hunting and fishing and uh i've always been uncomfortable with some of the things that my family has been about so i i would say probably like middle school was when i was finally like i don't like this right because you know you 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 just grow up with thinking that and then eventually you get to a point and you're like mm, I don't know about that so I mean yeah I mean for me like um my parents uh my dad is from Nigeria and my mom is from um, the south she grew up in the south and uh you know it's really interesting because like even like 
them like they um my mom uh she's like a registered like democrat you know uh-huh. and like my dad is a you know growing up there were like a lot of like small comments they would make and towards a lot of immigrants which never made sense to me because i was always like aren't <laughs> like aren't you, like because my dad is an immigrant himself but he would make all these comments saying like especially towards people who were um you know like um people who were from india like he would be like oh like see them driving around he's like oh i bet they own like a gas station that's how they got this car yeah he was saying it's 2020 he said this yeah. last year he was like oh yeah like that guy's driving a really nice test i bet he owns like a um a gas station and yeah. just, that's like you know that's a stereotype and that's that people from India like own gas stations you know and he was just like assuming that this man did without even like you know or when he gets road rage he will like yell like oh go back to your country and I remember like when I was growing up um there were all these like things that they would say especially about like people who are immigrants people who um, were like Asian Americans the Hispanic population um also people from the LGBTQ plus community <laughs> you know they're like oh like they'll see like guys walking around like or two like men walking around they're like oh you know it's two flamboyant men walking around they're like oh why can't they just act like real men and things like yeah. that or like you know going to elementary school middle school and um kids would be like go up to like an asian kid in class and be like oh i bet you're so good at math because you're asian ha 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 that never really me the right way I, I never nothing in my mind ever said i'm gonna make that joke too you're asian so you must be good at math like yeah you gotta think about like the message that like sends like it just sends a message that um oh you're different than me mm-hmm. you know like and i think the biggest yeah. thing for me is that i just want to be treated i want everybody to be treated equally and mm-hmm. when like people come to, come up to me for example they're like oh i love your hair or like can i touch your hair or like is that your real hair is that a weave is that whatever and it's like you don't go up to a white woman who may also be wearing extensions and say that yeah and it just it makes you feel like I'm different and I just don't like feeling different which is why I think microaggressions are so harmful Mm -hmm. yeah I think when you were talking about like immigration it's like well what makes their immigration different than mine and it really like roots back to like between going like America going between like agricultural based into like the industrial revolution where you had a lot of like north and west European immigrants coming in and then suddenly you had south and east European and so like all these immigrants from like Germany Britain Ireland all of them they're looking at these new immigrants coming from like Greece and Italy and like the eastern European countries and they started looking down on them. And it's like, didn't we all come from the same backstory of like, we're trying to get away from stuff? And it's like, even now, like what, like all of our families came from, like America's supposed to be this melting pot. And now we're judging people for coming to this melting pot. Like, I just don't get it. The only people who are here first, quote unquote, are it's the indigenous population, which- Yes. Yeah. Treated, like, treated very poorly in America. Yeah, I actually just saw a TikTok about how, like, living on the reservation, um, there's, like, 40,000 people living on the reservation, and there's, like, three grocery stores, so, like, a pack of 20, or, like, a 12-pack of canned sodas, like, $23, because they're having to import so much from 
outside of the reservation. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually um, like um, in Arizona, I'm actually surrounded by a lot of reservations. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time when I was in Georgia, um, I thought that maybe the native population didn't really like, exist because, you know, the, it wasn't really, the education in schools were not, it, was, it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> Point blank. Yep. That's what it, that's yeah. what it comes down to. <laughs> like, I think, and maybe I was just talking to my friend about this, about this the other day. Like, the problem is that we are not educating the way we should need to be educating. If people yeah. just educate themselves, that I feel like things would be, be better, you know, yeah. like learn and like actually like try to look, look from different, different perspectives. You got it. And it's like, and it's not hard to do that. Yeah. It's not. Cause I've done it for, you know, for different groups that I'm not a part of and it's not hard. It's like, I want to know, I want to learn so I can like help, I can help myself be a better person. I can help these people, I can help everyone feel included and equal. And it's like, that's what I want. That's like a true thing that I want for this country. I just don't understand mm-hmm. why people don't feel that way. Yeah, I, it's like a lack of empathy and a lack of effort because I know a lot of like older people like my friends parents even like people in my family they're like oh I don't see color like you could be black white purple blue blue yellow I'm like no that's the problem is that you don't recognize color and you don't recognize that just because the color of your skin can affect your life so I like it just like there has to be a recognition of a person's skin to understand the background that they've come from, the struggles that they automatically have to go through just because of the skin color. Exactly. Like I I actually um I used to say that when I was younger, like, oh I don't see color. But mm-hmm. the older I got, the more I recognized it's okay yeah. for me to say that I'm black and you are white. There is nothing yeah. wrong with that. It's yeah. when you recognize that and recognize that we're different in ways that we can come together. And mm-hmm. different in some ways but not so different like you're this completely different person so yeah I think you also have understanding where the differences and similarities go yeah yeah because like you talked about how like you used to say that like I used to be homophobic because I was I grew up in a church where that was a sin uh and when I came out to my mother I was called a burden or actually I talked with her uh, recently about this and she said that my action was a burden rather than myself being a burden but okay like how that you're still it's like yeah anyway so it's like I remember when gay marriage was legalized in the U.S. I remember sitting poolside with one of my friends and she was like Sarah gay, man, gay marriage just got legalized how do you feel I'm like well I don't really agree with it but I'm happy for them I guess because internalized homophobia, like, I didn't, I, I refused anything that I could be a part of that community because, because of how I was raised, so. That was the Ogledorp case, right? Uh, I think so. Or, um, Ogledorp? Yeah, something like that. Um, that was in 2015? Yeah. Yeah, I remember when that happened, and I want to say I was 14. Um, Yeah, because I was 13. Yeah, so this was earlier in the year. I, I think it was in the summer. Yeah, um, like early June. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll be 40 at the time. Um, and I remember, like, being so, like, moved by this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that, like, 
this was like the beginning of like a new change. Um, I was like, this is great. Like, I love it. And funny enough, actually, I actually grew up homophobic as well. <laughs> I do want to throw that out there um, because of the surroundings that I was in and being mm-hmm. raised in um, a Baptist church. And, um, you know, both my parents both voiced their homophobic views and mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, it's fine, but I don't agree with it. And, you know, yeah. there's a time when my dad wanted to go to Chick-fil-A to go sit in because Chick-fil-A has a history of being donated to homophobic organizations. Yeah. And my dad wanted to go to Chick-fil-A and sit there to support them, supporting homophobic um, organizations. And I was like, yeah, dad, let's do it. You know, I'm like, wow. I'm yeah. stupid now. Like, I look back on that stuff and I'm like, wow, I cannot believe I did that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but I remember when like, it was, when gay marriage was legalized, it was so moving and like the love is love um, hashtag trending on Twitter and like mm-hmm. the YouTube videos and like, it was just really exciting to see, you know, people being so happy. And I feel like love is like one of the most like beautiful things in the world. Truly. And feeling like, and seeing that like people were finding it to love freely. I was like optimistic, but like a few, like I thought things would change, but now it's 2021 and still there's a lot of things that the community is fighting for and it's like it makes me think like at what point are we ever going to get to like true equality and is yeah is it, a, is it real yeah and it's like in every group there's always like a divide within it because I know um like in the community right now like we're there's a lot of like transphobia and biphobia and like invalidating people who are bisexual and it's like oh well you've never been with this so obviously you can't be this and it's like no (laughs) like people know that they are before they do anything like as a young child like how do you know you're straight if you've never done anything it's like you you know within you how has like these like like how have you seen, how has it been for you being in school at Valdosta and like, as far as like racism and homophobia, transphobia, all of that? Um, it's definitely been nice to get away from like my household where it's like, I know I couldn't, like for when I first got in my first relationship down here, which is a whole long story, I didn't want to tell my mom about it because she just gives me this look of like, oh, I don't agree with you, it's a sin, whatever. So it was nice that I didn't have to like walk on eggshells around her. But because I am so close with my mom, I wanted to tell her about it. Um, But it's like, I didn't have to because I wasn't around her. Um, And then like, I guess like racism wise, like (laughs) not against me, obviously, because I am very white, but I'm in um, Tabe de Sigma here which is a uh, music service sorority. And my chapter, you would find at like an HBCU school. So it's four powerful, strong black women and me. And so like, obviously when I first was getting interested and I saw like the demographics of the group, I was like, oh, is this about black sorority? But no, it just happens to be the people that are in it. And I love being uncomfortable because then that leads to growth. And like, I've learned so many things about being with my sisters who I truly love so much. Um, And being at a PWI, primary white institution, I've kind of become a face that can get people because they're like, oh, well, 
there Sarah can do it because she can do it so like obviously I'm not going to be the only white person because I'm not afraid of being intimidated because I wasn't like there's still people and just because they may be four powerful strong black women doesn't mean that I can't be there with them and so like I've become like I said I've become like a face for like recruiting like when we were first recruiting at the beginning of the semester it was like Sarah you got to get out there it gets some of these people who may be intimidated by us um and then same with like fundraising um it's like Sarah get out there go be that you know um Arizona State is a very um large school it's like 70,000 mm-hmm. students across all the four campuses um yeah that's not even counting the students who um go to ASU online yeah um, but you know I think I'm kind of lucky in the sense that the people I surround myself with are good about or good about that thing and they mm-hmm. are educated so my experience and ASU has been pretty positive but then you see a lot of people you do see the people who don't really know like have those um, microaggressions going on yeah they really shouldn't be saying uh you know maybe dropping it in a word um this is people I surround myself with but things I hear on campus um yeah you know dropping the n-word among each other and they're not black um yeah. and uh let me say this uh if you're not black do not say the n-word period point if, blank if you are hispanic do not say the n-word yeah. if you're white do not say the n-word god please do not if you are not black you cannot say the n-word that's it there's no, negoti- there's no negotiation there is no n-word pass n-word card and your friend tries to give it to you don't take it it's a test <laughs> so do not say the n-word i don't care if you have black friends i don't care if you love black people i don't care if you think you're not racist but if you did it in word it's racist it's inherently racist and um there's no reason why you should say it there is no reason at all i feel like this is not new information i never known it when i was like four five six years old um i don't know if people are just not understanding why they can't say the n-word but like i think it's been pretty clear for all 20 years i have been on this earth thus far um don't say the n-word that's it it's really annoying when people do it and i don't care if it's not with the hard r or if it's with the hard art, if it's with the hard art or without the hard art, don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I That's saw. It. I saw. I'm on like activist TikTok, and I get a lot of black creators on TikTok, which I I love, and like I love getting to learn because obviously it's not their job to educate, or it's not y'all's job to educate people or non people of color on why they should care but I do appreciate a lot of the creators that do show on my TikTok page and it was um a video explaining like how um like whether hard R or not has evolved so whether you're saying it with the hard R or not it's still the same meaning just because it may be more relaxed because of the AAVE um and like how that subset of language has like evolved. Like it's still the same meaning. And you just, you're not, you're like you can't say it. <laughs> so. Won't say it. And you know, also a lot of people who claim to be woke, um, they also have a tendency to think, there's this beautiful thing called intersexuality. Yeah. 
um, did I say that right? <laughs> Intersectionality. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everything's connected. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there are a lot of people who maybe there, there are a lot of white female feminists out there mm-hmm. that talk about a lot of issues to them being a woman, a yeah. white woman. And a lot of it is more than just, oh, you're a woman. It also could be this person is black. Um, there's been like some times where I'm like, am I being discriminated against because I'm black, because I'm a woman, or is it because I'm both? Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, it's all connected, you know, gender, sex, race, class, like, you know, your social mm-hmm. class, sexuality, religion, yeah. disability, how you look, how tall you are. It's all, yeah. it's all connected. And I think once people like realize that as well, we can also make more steps because everything connects to itself. And a lot of people realize that um, a lot of people wonder why, like, oh, well, like, why are so many, like, why are so many young African-American men joining things like gangs or getting into like trouble or like turning to violence and it's like because we live in a society where they're essentially set up to fail because what happens is that you have somebody let's say you have their their mother for example um and they're living in a community where you know it's like it's a poor community and it it tends to be that once somebody get pregnant once somebody gets pregnant the man tends to like leave because that's just like prevalent in the community live in and then they didn't get a good education because of the community lived in so they can't go to college or they live in a poor community so they can't even afford to go to college mm-hmm. and then they have a child who's also going to be who based on where you live depend it just that's the that determines what kind of school you go to or the level of education you get because like usually poor communities like the schools that they're like assigned to go to are not good yeah right and you they go to the school and because like it's automatically not a good school the teachers treat the students this way and yep. they treat them like oh well they go they go to the school they don't care about the education but it's not something it's not something they can help and so this the let's say the man the boy he thinks that school's not for him he doesn't deserve education he's in a poor community there's no way out he cannot he cannot afford to go to college he does not have the resources to go to college. He doesn't want to go to college because he hasn't really been, the teachers are not really pushing college. They're just pushing, making, having him graduate. And then he has nowhere else to go and he wants to get out of this community. And, you know, a way to make money quick is to join a gang, is to sell drugs, do things like that. And that's just mm-hmm. a trap. The systematic race is in the system. Yeah. You know, that's just a, it's a cycle. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Like, obviously, I know a couple of my friends who are wanting to go into teaching, and I know they kind of have, like, a white savior complex, because usually when you start out teaching, you have to go into these lower, lower class schools before you can start teaching at better schools, and the way they're kind of dealing with having to teach at those schools is, like, a white savior complex, and, like, my sister, she is about to go back to school to get her middle grades education degree, And I'm just, like, trying to get her now to, like, understand and kind of push her to not have that complex and so that she could actually do some good for those schools rather than having, like, the complex and, like, the idea that, like, what she wants to do is good for those schools. So I think it's it's another part of, like, understanding white privilege, which is something that, like, 
my family doesn't believe exist. Um, and so it's like just having to explain that you may think you're doing good, but your intentions and what they wind when what they will wind up to be is not what they're going to come across as. And I think that's the problem with like a lot of like like you said earlier, like woke activists and like um the slacktivists where they just post something on Instagram to be like to check off a box and be like, yep, I'm aware of what's going on. And like I think that's something that I really try to avoid is rather than just posting something to cross off on my checklist it's like actually educating my friends and talking about it um and not just reading something about it but then educating further researching further doing something about it so also calling out calling out racist racism when you see yeah it. yeah and i think that's something that's a hot topic today is cancel culture and i think there's a fine line between cancel culture because and then keeping people accountable because as Gen Z, especially, we're very out there. We're not afraid. Most of us are not afraid to say things to somebody who is exemplifying privilege or is being racist. And they're like, oh, well, I'm getting canceled, cancel culture, whatever. It's like, no, you're being accountable for your actions. There's a difference. Like, I do think some people, deserve, some people deserve to be canceled, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah there are some people where it's like you've done too much you haven't done anything to fix it and it's like you just you don't deserve second third fourth chance yeah yeah so actually my friend Jordan who goes to the University of Alabama you know she's actually gonna she's actually here with me right now and I kind of want to hear her take about any racism she's like um experience on campus and she calls these people out or she's seen people defend her so um, how's it been like for you so definitely going to like an sec school you would expect like (laughs) the worst of the worst and it's definitely not like crazy outward just like racism it's always microaggressions that like Mm -hmm. build up over time to a point where it's like now it feels like targeted racism but (laughs) yeah so I would notice that like walking just walking down like the street on a sidewalk right and you would see like either a group of like white sorority girls or even like white fraternity brothers and they just walking down a sidewalk and the crazy part is is that they look at you to expect you to move out the way like it's just me and, and it's funny because we were like I was talking to Taylor about it like I never understood the word but like I think it's like intersexuality where like you need <laughs> okay we're <laughs> talking about it we're talking about it <laughs> yeah so I was like you would think that like as a woman, you would like the guys would move out my way. And they do for like white women. But it's funny because like, especially being black, it's like they see your color before they see you're even a woman. So they're like, oh, <laughs> this person needs to move out of my way. But it's like sometimes I would walk down the street and like I always astonished me when other people move out of my way. And I'd be like, oh, okay. or like and I was telling my friend about it um and she kind of grew up in the south and she's a white girl and I was telling her she's like I would have never even noticed that and I was just like well do you also notice how like a lot of the black staff on campus which all staff especially cafeteria workers or like janitors or whatever they're all black here Mm -hmm. I I don't know any single white 
cafeteria worker. And um, my freshman year, we had, there was this guy, I've never met this person in my life, but my friend, uh, who's also white, she was like, do you like know this person? I was like, I've never met this person in my life, but like, especially with black people around a lot of white spaces, like you will have each other back no matter what. This man who I've never met in my senior life would always come up to me in the dining hall full of everyone and be like, how are, are you okay? Did you get everything? How's the food tasting for you? Do you need me to go in the back and get you something? I'm like, oh no, I'm good. Everything's good. Like I eat pizza every day. I know I can do it. <laughs> and it's just crazy because it's like we just automatically and I didn't even realize that that's a thing. And I told my cousin about that. She's like, yeah, welcome to a PWI. And it's funny because like, we went to a PWI high school, but it's different when like other adults, like you are not part of the adult world making these adult decisions and mm-hmm. microaggressions towards you because like when you're yeah. young you have adults protecting you but now when you're in it by yourself and especially because I go to the school none of my friends went to the school with me so I definitely went here completely alone and um, having to deal with that by myself but that was like kind of like a crazy experience but it's always the microaggressions that really get to me you know, yeah I said at the beginning of the episode, um, I was talking about microaggressions and I was saying that it would be a lot more harmful for me. Like, yeah, I can have like a man walk up to me and call it the anywhere with a hard R yeah. and say all these slurs to me, but that would hurt way less than like one of my friends like doing these little microaggressions because like they suck, they hurt. Because yeah. it just it reminds me again that I'm different, but like not the different in a good way where you recognize that we're different and we yeah. like love that. It's like different in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah and I definitely feel you like on the uh, I don't feel you but I, I got you on the um, like the cafeteria workers because we have like one on campus because we're like relatively small um, and it's like they're all black and if there is a white person it's because they're a higher up their manager their team leader they're the person running it and like I know like I notice that as soon as I walk on campus so yeah that's funny that like when Taylor brought up like if a white man just came up and just listed off slurs, to be honest, I probably would laugh. <laughs> but like I'd be like, what are you like? You're clearly insane. You're clearly crazy. But like yeah, if a friend was like, can't touch your hair. Yeah, I literally I never will I never will forget this. And after we cut the cameras, I'll tell you who did it. We went to high school with this person. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was like, I had my hair in just like two braids. And it's not even like a crazy braid. It's probably like just regular two braids to the back. Like any other person has these braids in their hair. Mm. And at the time my hair was dyed. And so you would see like specks of like light brown in my hair. And so she came up to me and was like, is that your real hair? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and my hair is not long. So it's not like I had like crazy long braids down my back. It's like, I think the braid literally stopped right here. Like I was, I was really walking the the Wendy's girl braid at the time. Sounds like shoulder length. Yeah, and so like <laughs> I was just like, "What?" She's like, "Is that your real hair?" Cause like, how did you get it dyed here? I'm like, I take these braids out just how you take these braids out of your hair. We have the same braids in. I don't know why on my head it's foreign concept. Yeah, I actually have two things to say about that. The first thing is that you know I was just like right now I have um. Or not have extensions, right? So if I had, if a white, like somebody, somebody will come up to me and be like, "Oh, is that your real hair? Can I touch your hair?" You know, but white women wear extensions all the time. All women wear extensions all the time, but you don't see them going to people who are not black and saying those kinds kinds of things, right? Yeah. And the second thing I want to say is, I went camping recently with um 
a lot of my really good friends and they have come a long way as far as like you know educating themselves but this is the a microaggression happened I was actually like standing next to my tent and one of the guys was like Taylor like can I I just like touch your hair and I was like I usually say no but I was like you know what whatever yeah and it's my I was like oh my god like can I touch it too and there were like four guys surrounding me just touching my braids and it was they were just like wow this is wow and then um I had this other guy who was white come up and he was like what is wrong with your people you cannot do this like this is not okay and that's what I was saying like standing up for racism yeah and like under and like standing up for, when you see it say something um mm -hmm. and these people they didn't know what they were doing wrong and mm -hmm. I just don't it's annoying for me to have to explain all the time so to have like somebody a white man walk up yeah. and be like don't do that this is yeah. why it's wrong really showcases just how important allyship is like mm -hmm. be, an, be an ally and learn and educate others not just yourself educate others as well just don't yeah. let these things slide like you there is no reason why you should be walking up you should like let somebody walk up to an asian person studying in the library and say oh are you in engineering oh you must be really good at math like do not let the, those kinds of things happen yeah <laughs> yeah i actually wanted to ask taylor a question okay so when the, you were like, yeah, you can touch my hand, you usually would say no. And it was happening. I know you probably felt weird at the time. Why did you like not say anything? Because I feel like for me, I personally hate coming off as aggressive because I'm not an aggressive person. Like mm -hmm. I am very chill. I don't say my da da da. But I never want to come off as aggressive and be labeled as like the angry black girl. Yeah. Like, and they're like, why did everybody make everything about race? Because I hear that. And even political science classes here, like the, we're literally talking about race. And the moment I bring it up, it's like, there y'all go. They look about race again. And I be like, that was, that's that's all the PowerPoint. <laughs> race in America. That's what we're talking about. So I was wondering, what are y'all reasons for not speaking up at um, the moment? In that situation, I just, like I said, it's annoying to have to educate people. I just didn't feel like it. That's yeah. that's really what it was at the end of the day. That's why I didn't say anything. No, I, get that that. I get that wholeheartedly. Like, it's just like, I'm not going to keep explaining this to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, I think that is a very um, popular microaggression that I thought people knew not to do by now. But when it happened to me, I was like, I'm just going to um, not say anything because I just don't feel like saying anything. And like, I shouldn't have to educate white people on how to not be, how to be anti, how to be um, not racist, but not just not racist, but also anti-racist, which is where the mm -hmm. alley comes in. Like, um, if those, those people saying like, oh, like those people not saying that to me, you know, th that would be them not being racist, right? But the guy standing up for me, standing up for me, that was him being anti-racist. And we need more people who are anti-racist, not just not racist. <laughs> so that's how I feel about it. But have you, has anyone ever like stood up for you in that way? Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I hate to say it. <laughs> Not that I've noticed, you know? Um, and I think, especially in classes, I know we talk about it a lot of classes, but like, I think I noticed that, um, especially when we talk about race or whatever, someone would say something that's kind of like dumb. I'll give a really good example. So we were, it was my um, comparative government class and I don't even know what the question was, but someone said that um, the big, one of the biggest problems in America um, is the single parent household. And I said, 
excuse me, what? And like, of course he didn't necessarily say like, oh, single parent household in this community, da, da, da. But like the way he said it and like how he was explaining it felt very targeted towards the black community. Cause like, that's something that like, oh, you ain't got no dad, da, da, da. Like that is a very common like misconception with the black community. And it's so mm-hmm. like, people called him out on it and he was like, someone literally asked him, do you just hate black people? And we're like, just be, let's be, let's have a real conversation. Like, do you just hate black people? Like, what, what, no. And then of course they said, I have black friends. And so it was just like, but the only people who are really speaking up about it were the other, like, well, I didn't even say others, the two other black girls in the class. Yeah. Like, That's not right. Like you shouldn't say it. Like a lot of things you say are like low key racist. And like, mm-hmm. you, could, you can't keep saying that kind of stuff. And when we would talk about it, I would ask like, why don't, especially during class discussion with the teacher, I'd be like, I want to hear from somebody else. Like, especially when we talk about race, I'm like, I want to hear from someone white. Like I, I genuinely want to know what do you see through your lens? Like, mm-hmm. why do you feel about it? Da, da, da. And then someone says like, I'm just scared to say anything about it. Cause like, oh, I'm scared of saying the wrong thing or I'm scared of saying this, I'm scared of saying that. And I think it kind of ties back into like the whole like cancel culture thing that like there's a difference between cancel culture and then just being held accountable for your actions. Yeah, we were talking about that literally right before you came in. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's just like, we're not canceling you because I hate to say, you don't do anything worth being canceled. If you're a student trying to learn, Mm -hmm. this is your safe space. Say what you're going to say. Let people say, no, that's not, however you're trying to say, don't say it that way use this opportunity before you become a mayor, a senator, a governor, uh, the president, <laughs> a celebrity, and you say something dumb. Yeah. And then, like, when it was educated, you didn't allow yourself to be educated. Mm-hmm. You were to say it when you had the chance. Yeah, it's like, a that's, that's one thing that I've been working on too. It's like, you have to be humble enough to be able to learn. Like, you have to hold your own self accountable for knowing things that you're not always going to be right. And so you have to be able and willing and open to learn. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I really appreciate hearing um, Jordan's take on, you know, her time in University of Alabama. Um, you know, before we um, wrap up this episode, like, I want to have, like, a last kind of word from each of y'all um, and kind of say, like, the people listening right now, you know, what do you have to say to people who are trying to learn to be anti-racist? Um, Jordan, as a Black woman, me as a Black woman, and Sarah, you as a white woman. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Okay, well, I guess I kind of just said it, like, be be willing to learn. You have to be humble enough to be open to learn and open to criticism. I think that's a lot of where a lot of problems stem from now is not being open to criticism and willing to grow. Yeah. Um, I would say call it for what it is. Like, um, I would hate to, like, bring up The Bachelor, but let's take, like, Rachel, for example, where or even Chris Harrison were like, you would say like, oh, is it racist? Does that like, no, what you did was racist or what you said was racist. I think a lot of it is that like, especially when white people do anything wrong, we try, not we, but like the media or whoever is trying to cover it up with any other thing except saying what it is. Mm-hmm. What you did was racist. What you did was a microaggression or you committed a hate crime. Call it for what it is so people can see that and associate it to what it actually is. Yeah. So we keep saying like, oh no, it's actually this, oh, it's actually that, like da, da, da. then 
racism becomes anything. And that's where it gets blended into like cancel culture or holding somebody accountable. We just have to call it for what it is and be okay with being called what it is. Yep. And be like, yep. okay, that was what that was. Now let me do something different. Yep. Yep. I think that people need to stop making excuses, period. There is no, you're never too busy to learn how to be a better person. There is no reason why you cannot get educated. If you can go on TikTok, you can read an article. If you can take a nap, you can read an article. If you can eat, you can read an article. If, you go, if you're walking to school, you can read an article. It is not, dude, stop making excuses as to why you're not educated. And also recognize everyone's struggle and how they go like simultaneously and recognize each one as a separate issue and um, go from there. So yeah, but thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> you. <laughs> thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us today. <laughs> thank you. Our first guest, how exciting. I know, right? Okay, um, Sarah, do the outro. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, thank you everyone. Wow, thank you everybody <laughs> so much for listening to, for wow words my allergies <laughs> taylor you take it <laughs> all right thank you everyone for listening to candid college with sarah and taylor yeah. um we have a new episode every single sunday so please watch out every week for that and until then see you guys next time thank you